Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. What locations are you most tempted in? Because there's just locations that we can get in that bad things happen. You can put yourself in a spot, and because you put yourself in that spot, you're going to have to deal with something that otherwise you wouldn't have had to deal with. That if you have a drinking problem, it's probably not a good idea to be in a bar. If you have a gambling problem, it's probably not a good idea to be in a casino. If you, if you don't want to gossip, you probably shouldn't be around people that are gossip. You just don't want to put yourself in that kind of a location. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Everyone has heroes growing up, and even in adulthood. It is these heroes that often can do things we wish we could do. They have a popularity that we can only dream about. When it comes to our relationship with God, He doesn't want us to only have heroes of this world, but also heroes of faith. In this series, we'll be studying a portion of the Bible in Hebrews 11 that is known as the Heroes of Faith chapter. This chapter is full of stories of men and women who had an extraordinary faith in God. While they were not perfect, they were faithful. As we study their stories, we will learn how we can be faithful as well. Please enjoy the message. You know, if this sermon's for you today, if you're sitting there and you're saying, I hope my husband's listening. I hope my wife's hearing this. I hope that friend of mine checks out this sermon. I hope they read Samson. My child needs to know this. Because it's in that comfortable spot that temptation comes to us. It's when we're thinking that we're okay, but somebody else needs it, that we have the most potential to end up succumbing to the temptation that's going to stunt our faith. It's going to hold us back. It's truthfully for all of us, no doubt about it. But you especially need to be careful if you're thinking like this is really for somebody else because it's probably going to need to be for you. And in Samson's case... He had some real struggles, and so this is what happened to him after that, because it's really downhill for Samson from here on out until the very end of his life. Samson went down, and down is not just a geographical location that he is going to go to to Timnah. It's also a spiritual destination that he is en route to. Timnah was a place where unbelieving Philistines lived. They were the kind of people that were wicked, unrepentant, and they were not trying to align themselves with the God of the Bible, and that's where he goes. He's going there to find a woman. And saw there a young Philistine woman. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. You see, in this day, it was imperative that parents would go into agreements with one another before a child, before their children could be given over into marriage. That's just the way they did it. And so that's what Samson's talking about here. So there's a level of submission that we have to catch that Samson still has to his parents. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman, though, among your relatives or among all your people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistine to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. And and Samson just begins to have this struggle. He shouldn't have had this struggle. But the reason that he's having this struggle is because he's gone to some place that he shouldn't have gone. And he's been around people he shouldn't have been around. And the lesson here with Samson, we'll go on here in this next little verse, is he went down again. Down, down, down. And he talked with the woman, and he liked her. He shouldn't have liked her. He shouldn't have been around her. But because he put himself in the wrong location, this is what's happened to him. And the lesson that we learned from Samson here is going to be location, 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 location when it comes to temptation. Here's the question that you have to ask yourself. 
These are questions that will help you to minimize temptation in your life. I'm going to give you three questions that we learned from Samson. The first is this. What locations are you most tempted in? Because there's just locations that we can get in that bad things happen. You can put yourself in a spot, and because you put yourself in that spot, you're going to have to deal with something that otherwise you wouldn't have had to deal with. That if you have a drinking problem, it's probably not a good idea to be in a bar. If you have a gambling problem, it's probably not a good idea to be in a casino. If you, if you don't want to gossip, you probably shouldn't be around people that are gossip. You just don't want to put yourself in that kind of a location. I was looking this I was looking on the internet and I came across a few pictures of just people that found themselves in bad locations. And when you get yourself in the wrong kind of location, bad things happen. I had a basketball coach in college. He said, nothing good, because he was always dealing with problems with the players. He said, nothing good will ever happen to you after midnight. It just doesn't happen. He said, nobody ever said that they, the best thing ever happened to them at 2 a.m. in the morning. He's like, it's just not a thing. It just doesn't take place. And he said, don't put yourself in that kind of a place, in that kind of a location. I found a picture here. I thought this was kind of funny. She, see, this is what I'm talking about. When you put yourself in a bad spot, like you have to deal with something like, that's a bad place to fall asleep. Or these ladies, you've maybe seen this picture before, but the stingrays photobombing them, that's not a good location to be in. Or even this guy, this guy, that, you got way too close to the fence if that happens to you with this camel. If you struggle with envy, struggle with jealousy, anxiety, um, maybe even depression, studies have shown that social media is not a good place to go. It's not a good place to go. There was a study, a clinical study that was done on specifically people that would view Facebook. And it was found that through that study that the majority of people leave Facebook feeling worse than when they went onto it. Uh, the clinical psychologist said it this way. If a friend calls to say that she is engaged, promoted, or packing up to spend a month in India, it's, a normal, it's normal to feel jealous, jealousy, a little bit of unease. But the in- intimacy of true friendship often mitigates, mitigates those unpleasant feelings. However, with Facebook, that true intimacy isn't there, so the jealousy remains. Facebook creates pseudo-intimacy. Puts you in a position that you may not want to be in, that you shouldn't be in. And in Samson's, um, and in Samson's case, he kept putting himself in these positions, in these locations where he was going to have to deal with temptations that he wouldn't have otherwise had to deal with. What locations are you most tempted in? And perhaps right in front of a computer is where we find some of the greatest temptations. In Samson's life, we go on. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. And so he had actually killed a lion on a previous trip. And so he goes back down that same path, and he sees this lion, but he sees these bees there and honey. And he scoops out the honey with his hands, and he ate as he went along. And what's the, why does he do this? Well, he does it because he's hungry. But the other reason that he does this is because he's alone. And if you go back to his Nazarite vow, what you find is that he's compromising his faith. He wasn't supposed to touch a living creature who has recently died. And so by reaching into the animal's carcass and eating the honey, you know, he's compromising his faith. He's compromising his vow. But if his parents would have been with him, I don't think he would have done it. If somebody else would have been with him that was familiar with the faith that he was supposed to live by, I don't think he would have done that. But the reason he did it is because nobody else was there to hold him accountable. So what's the question for you? The question is this, what temptations do you struggle with when you are all alone? What are those things that come to you when nobody else is around to hold you accountable? 
Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. There's a man named Jack I read about this past week. He worked in a Christian, uh, he worked in an organization where he had some Christian friends around him. Every day, Monday through Friday, him and a few of his friends would meet, do a devotional, pray together, and then go on about their job. He said it was really one of the better times in all of his life. But he always had a dream to be an over-the-road truck driver, drive a big rig, coast to coast. That's what he wanted to do. And one day, his friend, another friend of his called and said, hey, I've got this opportunity for you for this dream job of yours. Well, naturally, Jack jumped at that. He got the job, and sure enough, before long, he's driving a semi-trucker all over the country. But that was when Jack would say that temptation came to him in ways that he had never encountered before. And so he's, on the, he's in this truck, and he said, I was alone for hours, thinking things that I'd never thought before. I would go to truck stops and be around people that I would never see again. Nobody ever knew each other, but we always would connect. And through the course of those conversations, we never had to worry about anybody holding anyone accountable or there ever being any follow-up because we just never would see each other again. After a couple years of doing this job, a woman called him. She shared her name, and then she said she was pregnant. It was a woman that Jack had been with recently from a truck stop that he had met. And this is how Jack would surmise his situation. Looking back, I can see the moment I struck out on my own, Satan showed up. He climbed right up into the cab with me, put his feet on the dash, and made himself right at home. I never really knew what temptation was until I found myself all alone a thousand miles from home. What are you tempted with when you're all alone? The devil looks for us when we're alone. 1 Peter chapter 5 says it this way, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for groups, looking for crowds, looking for masses of people. No, that's a singular for someone, someone who's all alone by themselves with no accountability to devour. And he knows if he can get that person, he gets everybody else who is connected to him or to her. And perhaps there isn't a place that we're more alone nowadays than when we sit in front of a computer screen, looking on the internet, whatever it is that we may be looking at, talking to whoever it is that we may be talking to there. It's in those moments that we're isolated. It's in those moments that generally no one else is around. I came across some concerning statistics recently from this organization called Covenant Eyes. 62% of men view pornography weekly. 
21% of women view pornography weekly. 56% of divorces involve a pornographic addiction. And I found, I also saw another statistic that said if one of the members of the marriage is looking at pornography, there's a 300% likely more chance that that relationship will end up in a divorce. 94% of teens will see pornography by 14 years of age. 11 year old, 11 years old is the average age a child sees pornography. Inevitably, it happens. And we can mitigate it and we can hold it back. And I'm going to talk to you about some of the ways that you can do that and the ways that we do that in our home. But we have to equip our children on how to handle that when that happens. And so what I have, 13 years ago, I started this on my devices. I put covenant eyes on my devices. Cost me about $130 a year. You make decisions in life. And when you make a decision, you don't always know the implications or the ramifications of a decision. I can tell you that was one of the best decisions that I ever made. 13 years ago, I started that commitment and I put it on all my devices. And I'm not above temptation and I'm not above to being tempted to look at something I shouldn't look at. I'm not at all. But because I have that stuff on my devices, that means my wife gets an email every single week of the things that I look at and the things that I see. And we've got it on all of our devices, the things that the kids look at, the things that we look at. And this has been incredible because it's a whole lot easier to say no when I know that she will see everything that I see. You know what I'm saying? And maybe that's something that you need to do. Maybe that's a step that you need to take. I'll tell you, if it is, it's the best $130 that you will ever spend. And if you can deal with this, you will help your faith significantly. And for Samson, though, he had no accountability. He had no parameters in his life. And so he's heading to Timnah. And he's going on, and this is what happened. Sometime later, he fell in love with another woman in the valley of Sorak, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. See, he had been causing them all kinds of problems. They couldn't win a battle against the Israelites because Samson was so strong, so great. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver, So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. She does this three times, and three times Samson lies to her. But on the fourth time, he finally gives in. And this is what he tells her. He says, no razor has ever been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. It's been said that this is one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. He did not know the Lord had left him. Let me tell you something, and hang on to this. In Genesis 15, there's a group of people. They're known as the Amorites. They were wicked, unrepentant kind of people that wanted nothing to do with God. They did whatever it is that they wanted to do. But God didn't judge them in Genesis 15. He would eventually judge them, but he didn't judge them in 15. Why is that? Because the text says their sins had not reached their full measure. Before this moment, Samson's sins had not reached its full measure. He had compromised his faith, his family. He had compromised many of the vows that he had made. But, not, but God's judgment had not reached, had not come upon him 
until the full measure finally came upon him of sin and he shaved off all of his hair. The Bible says, do not be deceived. And many of you in all of you know, our churches this morning, many of us are deceived. We think that we can keep getting away with it. We think that no one will ever find out. We think that it'll never make a difference in our life. And so we'll just keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. And all the while, these drops just keep going into this bucket, this bucket. And eventually there's going to come a point where it's going to hit its full measure. And there's going to have to be some sort of a judgment that's going to take place. Is it a judgment for God to get back at you? No. God doesn't pay you back. God often disciplines us to bring us back, to bring us back to him. And that's what happens with Samson, as we'll see in a moment. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. If the Bible says, do not be deceived, God will not be mocked. Are you mocking them? with the way you're living your life? Are you just acting like he doesn't see what you're doing or think or know what you're thinking or hear the conversations that you're having? Are you mocking God? You will reap what you sow. And here's the deal. What I just quoted, that's not from Leviticus where you like look at somebody the wrong way and you get stoned. That's Galatians. That's New Testament. That's New Covenant. That's where you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So don't think that just because you have a faith in Jesus that God isn't still going to bring consequences about in, bring, bring them about into your life. And that's true for you. That's true for me. It's true for all of us. There's grace. There's mercy. There's compassion. And God allows those things into our lives to bring us back to him, to get us back in line with him. And for Samson, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. And what happened with him is he would then, um, they would take him away. They would use him as entertainment. They would take him away. He would gouge out his eyes. And it was because he was with Delilah that all this happened. And here's the question that you have to ask. Who are the people in your life that tempt you to do things you will regret? They tempt you to be angry. They tempt you to be negative. They tempt you to gossip. They tempt you um, when you're around them. You were content with your house and your salary, but now you're not content with those things. You know, they tempt you sexually. They tempt you um, in some other capacity with some sort of a substance or something like that. Who are these people? Who are those people in your life? When you can get rid of those people and you can get around people that are actually spurring you on to be more of who God called you to be, incredible things can happen in that moment. It's been said, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Man, that is so true. There was a woman years ago, um, Proverbs tells us this, and I'll tell you about the woman, a companion of fools suffers harm. So true. There's this woman here, her name's Jean Nittich. 
About 40 years ago, she had a major weight problem. She was around 220 pounds, and she wanted to lose at least 30 or 40 of that pounds, uh, of that weight that she had. So she went and got a diet plan. She tried to apply it to her life. After a few months, she made minimal progress. And then she decided that she would get some friends around her who were also overweight. Perhaps that through each other's accountability and encouragement, they would be able to make a difference in each other's lives. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. That over the course of the same amount of time that she had applied the diet before by herself, she applied the diet with these friends of hers, and then she, she ended up losing the, the goal, the weight that she wanted to ultimately lose. And she realized there's a lot of people around us who need this. And with that, Jean Nittich would launch what's known as Weight Watchers. And through that, she would help millions and millions of people. And while so much of it is about a cookbook, it's about a diet, the heart of the program is found in the support that can be found in a group, in a community of people that are spurring one another on. Who are the people in your life that are causing you to do things that you will regret, that you will be tempted to regret? In Samson's life, he had Delilah. And it ultimately led him in a place where he's chained up to two columns. There's 3,000 Philistines in this building. And they had gotten to the point where they forgot. They forgot where Samson's strength came from and his hair grew back. And in this one last moment, he cries out to God and he says, God, just give me strength one more time that I may tear these columns down and take the life of these people who are mocking you. And in God's grace and compassion and mercy, that's exactly what happened. Their lives were lost His life was lost. But ultimately, that wouldn't be the last story of Samson. What would get the last word in his life would be found in Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say, as the writer says, I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, about Samson. These were all commended for their faith. That even though he had compromised his life and compromised his vow, even though he had gone against you know, everything that he'd ever been taught and done things that he should have never done and hurt people that he should have never hurt. There was still grace. There was still compassion. There was still mercy. And we ought to have that for one another. And you got to know that God has that for you too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you are a Christian, you are a new creation. You are regenerated and moving towards the image of Jesus. The old, the unregenerated, the unrepentant, the one that was out of line with God's will, that person's gone. There's still some of that within us. Because we're in this world and we're still fallen, but God is redeeming that. You don't have to lead into this old person anymore. You don't have to feed that old tendency anymore. Instead, the new has come. Feed the new. Feed the new with the locations you're in. Feed the new with the things that you look at, the things that you see, the things that you say, the people that you put yourself around. And God will do incredible things through that. Who knows what Samson's life could have been like if he hadn't lived the way that he lived. He was only one of four whose birth was prophesied. I've seen men who live lives of integrity and God does incredible things through them. I've seen men and women who have lived incredibly compromised lives. They're in heaven dancing, no doubt about it. Man, there is so much they missed out on because they just chose to give in and give in and give in and give in. In 2 Timothy, there's one of my favorite verses. And I'll close with this. It talks about us being pure. It talks about us being holy there. 
And for those that are, God has reserved a noble purpose for them. And maybe God is just waiting for you to finally get pure, for you to finally repent, for you to finally turn into his will to reveal that noble purpose that he has for you. Not the ignoble one, the noble one. And you're wondering, why isn't more happening in my life? Why isn't God using me in better ways, in greater ways? And he's he's keeping you in this place of preparation because he's waiting on you to finally turn from the old, turn into the new, live the life that he's calling you to live and to become exposed to the great purpose and the great ways that he's wanting to use you. Samson didn't figure that out until the last moments of his life. Maybe we can all figure it out today. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll close out with this song. Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the grace that you give us. Dear Lord, may we all understand that there is opportunity, that there is grace available to us. And there is a great purpose that you have for us. God, help us to put parameters in our lives and still in our hearts that we need accountability, that we need support. We need each other. And above all else, we need you. Thank you for indwelling us with your Holy Spirit to lead us down that path. We give you this all in Jesus Christ's name. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.